0: Yo, check us out, check the public enemy.
1: Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the World's Most Dangerous group. What's
0: up? This is DLC, the D, motherfucking God. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy D What up, yo? This is E shot
1: This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This
2: is your boy DJ Paul KOL from 36 Block. Young busy ball. Vice World, this your man Matt the hell Razor. up. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross. And you listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show.
0: rap shit coming out of Buckworth Texas. And every day I gotta eat a big bun of wax mumbling wrap us up for breakfast. Really top coat, so pure, And really be tougher than a whole fucking lot of grams. A lot of these old beef face in the pizza, and I see right through them like a motherfucking hologram. And if you want it, I can make a motherfucking pack, and you throw me the pistol grip And I can really get it, hey, the
1: hog tied up, wrap them up like a motherfucking Christmas. Smash everybody, it's your boy Prez Welcome back to the Murder Master Music Show This is episode 944 We're creeping up on that 1000 mark You know what I'm saying, we're trying to get there Tonight we got a guest Who, uh, he needs no introduction But we're going to give him one anyway I've, I've wanted to interview him for a long time Because uh, I reviewed a lot of the releases Off his label, uh, The Murder Dog You know what I'm saying Also, you know what I'm saying, he's from Chicago You know, that's uh, you know Where my family is from you know in and around Chicago, and you know where i where I was born and raised, so this is a special show for me. I'm gonna bring on the one and only sleepy wicked of wicked entertainment. What's up sleepy wicked how you doing brother
2: all right all right how you doing Pra thanks for having me on
1: man uh, long overdue i'm I'm so happy to be able to do this because uh your story definitely needs to be told, and uh You know, you started a long time ago, man, putting out classic hip-hop records in the city of Chicago. Um, Then let's take them all the way back. You know, um, what made you start up Wicked Entertainment? And You know what I'm saying? How did you uh, get involved in the hip-hop scene in Chicago?
2: Well, you know, it basically was about, this is our 30-year anniversary, as a matter of fact. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, in 1993, you know, me and my partner Sinbad, we were looking to do other business that was, um, you know, that, that we knew about and we wanted to be involved in and we looked at the guys like Eazy-E and Little J and we wanted to get into this genre that we knew was, uh, filled with talent in Chicago, you know? So, you know, we, we started out by researching, we got books, we started reading, we went to classes, actually took a class of how to run and operate a record label. And it was put up in Chicago by um these guys from another record label called Solar Records, Sounds of Los Angeles records. Solar. They also started Death Row with them, um oh, yeah. guys in the beginning. And then you know what I'm saying? And then so they you know, actually helped us start by even giving us money, you know. At the same time they were doing that, starting Death Row, they were seeding other companies throughout the country just to help them, you know, build mm-hmm. this business. So they ended up hiring us, to believe it or not, to promote uh, one of the two of their artists, right, and they gave us the seed money, which was $1,500, which we started a company with, with our first release, you know, and, and basically we were promoting – the funny thing is that it goes on with the legend that we were promoting an artist named Chocolate and another artist named A.M. Dre in the Chicago market. And Chocolate just happened to be the guy that Sugar Knight went to go to Vanilla Ice's place because Chocolate wrote a bunch of that um, Vanilla Ice's song, Ice Ice Baby. So wow. It's crazy that we found out and it was all related, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, we used to promote. Yeah. That's how we started. We promoted their package. You know their product in in Chicago. You know
1: that's amazing, man. That's amazing because Death Row, uh, as, as we know, is, is one of the biggest labels and the most controversial labels of all time. Now, you talking about? Uh, were you talking about Harry O, one of the guys that was uh, backing the label?
2: No, I'm talking about uh, Dick Griffey and Jay King. Okay. They started and they were doing their studio. The Death Row was recording and started in their studio, in their offices. They're a classic, you know, they put out so many classic records back in the days. But um, if you look even in the documentaries that they had out, you'll see them in there where it says Soul, the Sound of Los Angeles Records. Um, they were the guys that were, they were like basically putting on the classes that we went to and teaching us, you know, what steps we have to, to take in order to actually be legit and not just have a name as a record label. You know, we want it to be established legitimately, you know. Yeah. So you know, me and you know, me and Simbad, my partner Sinbad, we, we never you know, we don't rap, you know, we don't produce, you know. So we had to go look for artists, you know, and try to yeah. figure some you know, who we wanted to start with, you know what I'm saying?
1: You guys were the vision, so, I mean, you know, uh putting it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah
2: we see yeah, we've seen that Chicago was was being missed in, in the in the landscape and in the conversation, and, yeah. you know, we had to be, you know, find a way to put it out there.
1: And, uh, you know, 93, um, you know, was a, a hell of a year in hip-hop in general, you know what I'm saying, but there was a lot of artists in Chicago doing the thing. Um, you know what I'm saying, uh, obviously, eventually, you, you connected with E.C. Hilla. um You know what I'm saying? And and that dude is, to me, I think he influenced people like Eminem, you know, because you had the Slim Shady LP, the Marshall Mathers LP, but in Chicago you had the EC Illa Live from the LEP, the EC Illa LP long before that. Is that a fair assumption to make?
0: No, that's
2: actually a fact because Eminem used to look up to EC and us. We used to know him. And we used to uh, – his manager was real close with us. Yeah, Yeah, his manager was real close with us, Mark, from out in – Mark Kemp from Detroit. He used to have a magazine. It was called – I forgot the name of his magazine. But he started managing him, and then we were helping him promote in Chicago as well, just like we promote artists. People like sometimes, and sometimes we do another love. But he said, so we used to promote E.C., I mean, uh, Eminem, before, and this is before he met Dr. Uh, Wendy Day, Dr. Dre, all of them. So, you know, and even as even there was a point where Eminem wanted to do a group with E.C. called the Four Horsemen, something like that, Four Horsemen, and, and it was going to be him, um, Eminem, E.C., and then I think um uh, one one of the guys that were from um, his crew, uh, I forgot his name. And and basically, I mean, at the time, EC was like, nah. He, he kind of turned it down. He was just like, nah, you know, um, because he was on his own things, and EC was, you know, he was, out, you know, building his name up there, you know. And it, it was at a time when we, you know, we got our video played on BET, the box, you know, and we started getting a lot of attention. So that's sounds Edge, like something that people don't know. Yeah, exactly. But that's something that these things happen, you know, we, we, we you know, over a year, two years of time. But those things with Eminem, you know, he was there you know, I guess looking up, you see. Of him. And that's probably why he, his albums are called the, the, the Shady LP and all stuff like that because of the influence that we put out. Yeah,
1: yeah, I always you thought that you. too. You, know, you could you could definitely see it, and plus the lyrical aspect of it, too. I mean, Eminem is, is one of the most potent lyricists of all time, but mm-hmm. so is E.C. Illum, you know. Um, so, yeah. That, yeah, that's
2: And There that was a, very it was a time when we were we went to Scribble Jam, and E.C. was the headliner. And that was the same Scribble Jam that Eminem was battling Juice and Reinfest and stuff like that. And as a matter of fact, I brought Reinfest there for that. Cold battle and stuff like that, but that was the time you I, just want, I do remember right? Yeah, exactly. Yep, and I remember all day. You know, I just remember hearing Eminem's voice all day long because I was running the booth at the time, and I just like, man, I've been hearing him all day long on the microphone. You know, and I was like, man, I was kind of getting tired and stuff. I was like, man, <laughs> you know, but he was he was just killing it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, he was killing it. Yeah. You know? Definitely. This is and a me really and my guys,
2: thing. we always liked them And stuff like that Yeah, me and my guys, we always liked them Other people kind of thought they were like You know, be competitive, you know But um, I always liked them I seen, I seen that, you know, he had a lot of talent And he had that special something That you have to have That certain magic that, you know, artists have to have To really pop hard Yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. I know he was doing stuff with Champ Town At that time, and, and um you know, um just uh he was he was trying his best to get on and then finally eventually caught the attention of Dre. Uh, but you know, you guys man, you guys are at the epicenter of everything, you know. Um, this is such a great time in hip hop and here you are, you know what I'm saying, putting out all this product and and, and making these connections and stuff. Man, you, you gotta be missing those days compared to now, I would imagine. imagine. Yep, 'Cause nowadays definitely, it's definitely, so man,
2: Yeah, and we had a nice movement going, and it was all love all over the place. You know, everywhere we went, throughout the country, throughout the city, everywhere it was just, you know, love and, you know, support, and we were just building. And sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of different work to build an artist and a career, and it, it doesn't happen overnight, you know. But if we had the same resources that they have now, like digital, reach and YouTube and, you know, we can reach people, millions of people in one day if we want to. Yeah. If we had these resources in that era, you know, we would be so, so far ahead, you know, because there was a time where we had our video all of a sudden got picked to play in a rotation on BET and we weren't prepared with our products available everywhere for people to buy. So there was a, you know, big disconnect where people wanted our product, but we couldn't get it to the market to all different stores at the time they wanted it. Whereas right now you want it, you get it right now immediately, you know, and you don't lose out on the sales.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Back then, you know, a lot of handover fished. I mean, and we had mom and pop shops everywhere, you know, um, yeah. nowadays they're a rarity,
2: Gatekeepers.
1: you know, um,
2: yeah, gatekeepers, yeah. distributors that didn't want to carry you, you know, uh, is you know all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it was a hell of a market, the Midwest. I mean, you know, uh, it was just uh, so much talent, you know, to the point of of uh, when labels started to recognize Chicago, they didn't know where to go. Probably, <laughs> who do we go to first? You know. There's so much. Mm -hmm. But you, um, I mean, you were always doing your thing independently and hustling and and making noise all across the globe. You caught the attention of Bob Dole. you got to tell me this story. What happened with uh, uh, old man Bob Dole?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, um, so being that he was uh, in the media for this, um, you know, Uh, rap lyrics and putting the parental advisory sticker and all this other stuff about trying to ban bad words and rap. It was at that time period. And, you know, at that time we had an ad probably in the Source magazine, and he was probably going through his magazine and calling. We had a there that was a hotline. We call it the Ill for Life hotline, just for people to connect with us. Before websites, we had like a voicemail so people can call leave their address, and you mail them stuff so they can get on their fan list, you know. So that's how we collected the people from all over the place. So they will call us. we'll connect with different various producers will call us. And a lot of people randomly will call us even there they were, you know, in the, in, the, in the game and they were just working on their way up, producers and stuff like that. But anyway, so he decided, I guess he called us, I mean, out of that magazine ad and was like, I need you to send me every one of your CDs to us, so and so, Washington D.C., whatever. So you know, uh, over like, um, and I call him back. He's like, "What is this about?" He's like, "Yeah, I want to see all these, you know, words and the lyrics and whatever type of stuff, and mail it to this stuff." And I was like, "Oh, okay, buddy," and that was the last he because you know we didn't want to really play into all that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they were they were looking for you know. Or something and we didn't really want to get it at that time they were doing stuff like banning you know trying to ban tupac and crushing cds and you know all these kinds yeah. of things and we're just trying to come you know we're trying to run a legitimate business you know with this real distributors and getting our stuff into music lands and coconuts and stuff like that we didn't want to have uh the government to try to block our business you know
1: yeah, crazy. yeah, they're using it for uh, uh, all kinds of different things to set people up. And, you know, like they did with SIBO, uh, what was it, Deadly Game off of uh, Till My Casket Drops. That was like the first song mm-hmm. where they incriminated somebody, you know, um, which is crazy. Yeah, Dole Quail, it, like you said, Tupac had to deal with him. Yep. Uh, See the Lord's Tucker, Dion Warwick. hmm yeah, you know, I remember seeing um, for, for for those of you Detroit hip hop fans out there, I remember seeing uh, Dion Warwick um, talking about Isham's "Kill the Fetus" album. You know, it was, it was yeah. to me it was funny. You know, I felt bad for Isham because you know he's a, he's a creative artist. You know, that shouldn't have to be hassled by by people like that. But um, that's how it was back then. And now, today, fast forward, they're they're banning all these books and all these different things, shit like "The Outsiders." you know, shit shit we read in high school you know uh one flew over the mm-hmm. cuckoo's nest shit that they shouldn't even touch you know it's it's just like man get mm-hmm. over that cuz those people never win you know they never mm-hmm. win yeah but, and they can't uh, stop it
2: it doesn't matter what they bad no. and nothing's going to stop
1: no no man we got the internet I mean, mm-hmm. shit is everywhere accessible you know everything um now let, let's go back again to uh EC man um he recently put out a very dope book uh, fat laces and uh, throwing stars you know which was a limited edition book and talks about his life and everything and, and uh when did you and him uh connect and uh what was he like when you what were your first impressions of him
0: well you know um basically when we
2: and Sinbad first starting the record label we were chasing a group that we really liked and that group was called D to the F. Dedicated to yep. the Street, the Legendary tracks in K Tone. We really liked them. We just heard them on a mixtape, uh Cash One your Brothers mixtape. And we heard them on the radio playing um and we were just chasing them. We found out they were gonna be somewhere and we went there to this place and there was an artist I guess at the time he was the dude who did a Grip Pump on my lap at all times. I think it was from the Bay area. Uh, very yeah, popular uh, song. So he was showing up there. It's the group all up at all times. I know what you're
1: talking about I just can't I can't think of the name. Sin my know yeah. uh, well, we can do it
2: yeah. Later. Mhm. Well anyway, so we went there, each of us was performing, so we went there to try to get you know, get in contact, contact with them, say, Hey want well, you know, see if we can do something together, you know what I'm saying? Um and then yeah. basically they performed and that SEC performed there too. really didn't notice him too much. I just noticed, you know, this dude, whatever, that was there. But then later on, one of my close friends said, hey, um, you, need to, you should connect with Reggie because, you know, you remember Reggie. I was like, who are you talking about? He's like, yeah, Reggie, we went to school with him. So basically, you know, we went to, we went to grammar school together. And I had just, I didn't put two and two together, you know, that that was him there, you know what I'm saying? So basically it was EC. So we basically connected (laughs) off of our old friendship because we were friends before in grammar school, you know what I'm saying? And then even in, we connected even afterwards, like, um, just some other stuff, you know, once in a while we'd connect and hook up and go to a party or whatever, like, you know, stuff of that. One time I even bought some vans off of him. He he, remembers that part or I came all the way to his house in the scooter to buy some Vans. From. But um, these were the shoes back in the days that were kind of popular, and now they're popular again. <laughs> now, 30 yeah. years later. Um, but, yeah, it just so happened that we went to school together and stuff. We knew each other already. So when we connected, he showed us a couple things that he was doing and a couple things that he had to put a record out, record out with this other, like, um, radio jock and, and basically um, a couple songs that he had ideas for. So we, you know, we connected and we liked it. And then you know, that said, let's go, you know. And we, we started putting out um, the live from the OEP and recording it, finishing all the songs, you know, um, mixing it, mastering it, you know, stuff like that. Artwork, getting the designer, a uh, slang, graphic artist to put the cover. And then, you know, back in the days, you didn't have like Photoshop and stuff like that back in the day. I had to no. go to Kinkos and cut.
0: <laughs> yeah, sleepy, you there, brother? I'm here.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. you you're cutting out a little bit the uh, last about ten seconds or so. You was talking about uh, they didn't have like a, a Photoshop.
2: Yeah, so they didn't have Photoshop and stuff. So I literally had to cut and paste all the artwork for, um, you know, J-Cards. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Literally with a with a razor blade in the Kinkos, you know, and, you know, shrink it down in the copy machine and then make it the right size and then glue it to the J-Card section and then, you know, put the layout together and then, then make copies of that. <laughs> and so literally because there was no Photoshop, like I said, in those days. And um, literally had to figure it out from the start and that was our first release was a cassette of Life from the Ill and then uh, uh, some 12 inches that we put out so I mean basically like we had to do that to build it up from the start you know like we started with cassettes with that $1,500 they gave us from you know Solar we built it up we started our first order of cassettes and, and vinyl and then we sold those and bought more cassettes and then we bought CDs and then we sold those, and we kept reinvesting all the money. We didn't even take any money. We just kept putting it in there just to build it up, you know back into to get you know to build a business up so yeah yeah, like I said we you know it all it all came together like i like I believe it was supposed to come together it just it came so so perfectly, you know because we already knew each other, you know,
1: yeah. I mean, that's that's always a positive when you you already know somebody, you know what I'm saying? You already got that relationship established. But you guys and and EC, you guys dropped a lot of stuff together over the years, you know. Um, uh, Do you still keep in touch with him today?
2: I don't talk to him that much. You know, I talked to him a few years ago, and um, I haven't really talked to him that much. Um, He's not really that active. And he doesn't go in places that I go. You know, I don't think he doesn't go events and doesn't do things like that. So, um, I talked to him about, you know, relaunching and doing some other things and other albums and stuff, and he really didn't want to do it. So, you know, I just kept him moving on other stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he definitely, uh, you know, uh, it's always good when he pops up with something, you know, um, I've told Mm -hmm. him over the years, man, I wish he'd keep keep going, because he's such a talented artist. Um, And definitely... uh, Yeah, he was always ahead
2: of his time. That's what I always tell people, he was ahead of his time.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you guys as a label were, too. You know, you were really doing stuff for the city of Chicago, um, you know, at a time when there wasn't really many outlets at all. You know, um, and, you know, you guys really helped jumpstart that, I don't believe there would have been that big um you know takeover in ninety six you know if it wasn't for for labels like yourself putting in that work and, and helping getting the city recognized you know uh what what about like uh j d walker um he's a super talented artist who came out in the early nineties yep. did you uh like slipping away and stuff the other bad black did you guys ever uh you know think about
2: working with him back then, or? well yeah i mean we we connected with him later on in the years, and we, we got real close and stuff um at the time he was doing a lot of big things and we were we were um trying to get him on a compilation uh one of the compilations we were doing, and we were successful and I think he had some obligations or he was doing something with some other companies just like that he's probably too busy or I don't know what the Situation was it was such a long time ago, but I always wanted him to be on our Wicked Streets of Shy compilations, you know.
1: Yeah, classics. I had a pleasure reviewing some of those. Man, um, those are just uh, uh, just amazing compilations that came out. We're gonna go to a song here in a little bit, uh, and then we're gonna come back and chop it up with you. Wicked Streets of Shy by Triple Darkness. When you uh, when you did mm-hmm. that. Um, Of all the artists in Chicago, including, you know, E.C. himself and others, um, did they come up with that song, or did you tell them, hey, I want you guys to do this Wicked Streets of Shy?
2: Well, we told them to do it because we were, we already had the name of the compilation and what we were doing, and we said we wanted you to be the theme of the compilation, the song. So, you know, put it together, you know, around this theme, you know, around this, in, this name, this name title and stuff like that. And then um, from there, you know, I had K-Tone produce uh, about five or six tracks, you know, and so I put them in the studio together to put together their, their songs, um, the Nuisance song, and a couple other ones.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, this is classic stuff right here. We're going to play this song, mm-hmm. then uh, I'm going to bring on the homie Sin from France. I know he's got some questions. He likes to dig into the vault a little bit, ask about songs and albums. Uh, and then after that, I want to give you the floor so you can tell everybody what's going on today with yourself and Wicked Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So don't vote nowhere, everybody. We'll be right back with Sleepy Wicked of Wicked Entertainment. Shytown.
2: He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends
0: one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue.
1: no more for before they even got their chance to ball they got they call and it makes me wonder why and when will i die Hey, nigga, nose clean, fuck all the footage, the feds, hey. Got rid of the dead weight, my homies, they red fake. My head is me from the pressure, their heads, hey. My inner presence won't cope, so I still ain't blow dope. Flippin' the pack, the sack, and sackin' magnets, the dead folk. I dead joke when it comes to reality of my love. Reality of a slug brings respect to the dub. Sayin' love, take the continent to wide. But your name you can't just eatin' lies. And I'll lie. let you Die. Die. Gotta do what you can to get back. Repay for taking the
0: day, you take to it dance to get high. in the booth, the in the booth, and my decide to come and take my life, it'll die. It's it wicked streets. Die. Gotta do what you can to get back. for taking the day, you take make it dance to get high. to come and the take my life, it'll die.
1: They don't die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stay Jack,
1: triple dog. me
2: down with. Whiskey. Motherfuckin' Streets is shy You ain't careful, nigga You take your last motherfuckin' steps in the You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, y'all we am crackin' them boots, we am packin' them boots And friends that down
1: here Come and take my life, they gonna die it's You know what I'm talking about? Classic, classic right there Wicked Streets is shy um, You know what I'm saying? We got Sleepy, Wicked, Wicked Entertainment Man, a lot of history tonight, man. I really appreciate that. Um, You know, we're gonna uh, bring on the homie DJ Lord Sinekster from France, the French Connection. He's got a few questions for you. Um, Send you there, brother. What up, man? Hi, hi. It's the
0: wicked. Hi, it's called Yeah Connection. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us about the the first reason of EC era and? Life of the
2: Hill in 94 you released uh, of the label. Yes, sir. The first video? What do you um, say, the first yeah. album? Yes, yeah, the album in 94. Yes, so. yeah. yes, the Life of the Hill EP was our very first release to be put out of EC ILLA. And it was an a EP short album, and in, in while we were going towards working on the next project which is a full album which is the Ill L P. So, um the Life from the Ill E P um it was about five songs and intros and outros. And um, you know, it was part of establishing the groundwork of an artist, you know, and getting him out there, because all he had before that was like a twelve inch record that barely went anywhere other than um specialty vinyl stores. And we wanted to establish his name in the record stores, the, you know, mainstream stores. Because he was just on college radio. They would play songs here and there on record. And maybe gramophone records and some other places had it for sale, you know. They didn't really want to do a real uh, release and really put it out there or market it or offer it for sale, you know, wholesale. It was just like a, kind of like a hobby thing they were doing.
0: Yeah. Okay, right. And uh, can you tell us about the release of uh, Triple Darkness, a cover EP in 1999? It was a classic. To, for uh, Wicked we can extend on.
2: Yeah. So Triple Darkness, you know, they are my one of my favorite groups, uh, underrated groups from Chicago, and they have. When I hear their music, they have this 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 energy and this this vibe that certain artists have that you can feel inside your heart. That's what I try to explain, that you can feel it inside your heart. And they have that something special, and I've always noticed that. And, um, you know, we try to take them and bring them out nationally because they were very popular locally. So we put their project together, put it out through distributors. I got into Best Buy. We used to have it, even in the, even had it in the end caps, hay paid to have it on these shelves on the sides to make sure everybody's seen it. And I knew that once it's out there, that people would pick it up, and, and it needed to get out there, you know. And there was, they had, it caught a big following out in California, throughout the Bay Area, definitely had a lot of support from Murder Dog Magazine. Um, but making it available through these chain stores, Musicland, Sam Goody's, uh, Transworld Coconuts, and uh, Record Town, these places, we had to make sure we were there with the other guys we want, you didn't just want to be in your local store. So I wanted to bring them national. And that's where we, we connected with them and, um, you know, put them on the compilations, but also put out the projects that they had out uh, locally. But we put it out
0: nationally. All right. Great. And uh, for the week's street of, of tea, uh, first episode, your person's are about to it's a real underground Chicago, like, uh, uh, Psychodrama, uh, Los Peruanos, of course, ECE, Nihilation Tractor and uh, a lot of them was very underrated at the time. And uh, outside of Little Dog, nobody talked about them. So, can you tell us about this compilation? Yes, also.
2: Yeah, so the, the Wicked Streets are Shy, the first episode, we, we went in there and basically recorded all new songs uh, from the artists that were specific to the compilation. And with the, we, we, coinciding with that release, at the same time, we also released the Wicked Streets of classics, which we licensed other songs that were already out and put them all together in one place. Um, and the, so the first episode, we wanted to showcase all these artists that were making noise throughout the Chicago uh, region. And we knew our mission was to push Chicago artists throughout the country and the world. And that was the way for us to do it and help them build their name and they can build their own projects on their own labels. And we had our, our aspect of pushing them through our channels and get their word out there. So every time we were doing things that were corresponding with other artists or that we work with, we were pushing all different artists just to push the culture forward you know, and the Chicago artists that needed exposure, all the way down to making our own TV show, you know, because we were, we used to actually promote a lot on The Box. Um, we happened to, you know, have a, make a good friend with the program director of The Box, which was a music television you control. And he would give us like 20 cities at one time that he would put our, our video available on. And then we would have to go and order it 10 times a day in every city. Or like two fifty it would cost for every time you order it, so we would order it ten times a day in every city, burning up all our phone bills, all different phone lines, you know just to make sure that it was seen <laughs> on there so we you know we after they after m t v bought the box and shut them down because they were giving too much power to independent companies like ourselves, like master P, like uh Luke. It was too much power to be able to order your own video and let it be seen all day long in these markets that everybody was watching because the box was so popular, people only kept that on and nothing else. And they didn't have to pay no money because the video was just show because somebody paid for it. It was like a jukebox for videos. So once MTV bought them um, and shut them down so that we couldn't have any type of power, we started making our own shows an old TV show, hour-long shows that showcased all the videos that the Chicago artists were putting out. And that was called Wicked TV. It was on Channel 25, Comcast. We had reached about a million point two homes. But this is what we had to do because we had to fight against the system and we couldn't get our music out there to be seen. So, you know, that was our mission was to make sure that Chicago was pushed out there to the so as much as we can with whatever resources we could, even if we had nothing, we still went out there. We even put posters up everywhere without any regard for nothing. We just, you know, we went out there hard and did street marketing, guerrilla marketing, all that.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it was in the source and everything. You know, you guys, um, you know, really got the word out there. You know, I remember '95. I think it was uh, uh, the East LP was in the source, and that same year, down in Memphis, Three Six Mafia put Mystic Styles in the source too. I was surprised to see both of them. You know, I was like, "Wow, that's dope." You know,
2: well, you know what? You really we were in the problem. same page, across from each other. We were right yeah. across from each other at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well we—some wow. well, of the things that we had to do—we had differently. Because sometimes we had to take an ad and we say, how do we make our ad be seen amongst all these other ads? So we said, okay, we'll do something like this. We'll do our ad sideways so that everybody yeah. would be passing through the magazine and they're looking at this ad and say, wait a minute, this ad is sideways. Let me go look at this ad. And, all of, you know, it, it brought us a lot of attention. And then we would, yeah. another thing we would do, because Source was kind of expensive in those days, is that we would split an ad – with the other artists, like D to the S, Um, I forgot, a couple other artists. We would just get an ad, let's say a half a page, and then we would just split split it two ways or three ways, you know what I'm saying, just to make it more affordable for us and just to stick out, you know, and promote more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a hell of an idea right there, especially at that time when things cost so much money. You know, people don't understand how hard it was to run a record label at that time because you're talking about studio, you're talking about promotions, paying people to go put posters and stickers everywhere. I mean, so much went into it, whereas now, like you said earlier, you have access to everything, you know, at your fingertips on the computer. You know, you didn't have that back then.
2: Exactly. And these days, I think... I still see people putting out projects and they're not spending any money to market the projects and they're getting a little bit lazy with social media.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, they're they're depending on shares and you know, their their homies to share their shit for them, but as many of you will see, that doesn't always happen. You know, not to the extent of you making money. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know. So I was talking to a friend today, and I said, "How are you going to put a project? You're going to spend all this time to put together a project and the videos and different clips, and you're not going to spend money to make sure every as many people can see it as you as can. Yeah. You
0: know, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, uh, Go ahead. Outside of uh, yeah, outside of Chicago, you you put out. Midwest Mozart in 2001, and uh, you put uh, on the map uh, groups like Vegeta, CCA, and uh, of course, you got Taigo Drama and, uh, and uh, some small ballads. But can you tell us about about this competition to uh, put the Midwest side?
2: Yeah, so, you know, with Wicked Street Shy, that was mainly Chicago artist focused. Midwest Monsters was for the whole Midwest. We're trying to showcase the talents of Indiana, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, you know, the whole Midwest, and build that, um, you know, compilation up. And we did that in partnership with another uh, mixtape uh, that was very popular called Straight Up Gangster Shit. And yeah. they had many volumes of mixtapes out, you know. So we did a legit mixtape with them. And that was one of the first legit mixtapes, you know, They were licensed or all original songs made into a mixtape, you know, and put it into the spies and put it into music lands and made it available, you know, nationwide through, you know, web, web sales. We had commercials on BET and Rap City and all these different places to promote it, you know. And um, we knew, I mean, Rick Gillo was such a great talent. He had such a good vibe in music, you know. So we had many artists like them that we needed to, you know, wanted to, to work with and get their get their uh, word out there. Now, with them, we ended up releasing about six different compilations on that, and I, I currently do have them up on the digital um, streaming services. And um, we, we only have, I don't think we have too many uh, physical copies right now, of those. But, um, basically that was a legit mixtape that we built off of the straight up gangster shit name, you know, and psychodrama was such a big, powerful artist in the region and the country itself, but they had such a big following, you know, and psychodrama was, uh, was signed to, um, swap house at the time and swap house. I don't know what they were doing, but they were not releasing their projects, um, like everybody really wanted to, wanted them to be released. So they would be doing different songs here and there, and features and stuff like that. Um, and those guys have so much immense talent. You know, um, I, I love them with all my heart.
1: Yeah, they're another uh, very slept-on group. And you mentioned the the to go back a little bit, the straight-up gangster shit. I uh, that's how I discovered stuff like Fifth War Boys. You know what I'm saying? Because they didn't just put, you know, Chicago or whatever. I mean, you had like Easy, Scarface, DMG. They mixed a lot of rap from around uh, the country. Do you think Chicago? Yeah. um Well, I, I definitely. I mean, this is kind of a dumb question because we know the answer. But Chicago is the, I think, probably the main market in hip hop because everything comes through Chicago, from the east to the west, the south. Um, And really, I think, you know, Chicago helped make or break a lot of records in other parts of the countries too, you know?
2: Yeah, no, this is a fact. This is a fact because WGCI is the number one radio station in the whole country, okay? Number one in the whole country, WGCI was. And the the Midwest market was the biggest market for consuming the music. So the companies used to tell us that we do not want to be pushing Chicago artists. We want Chicago to be consuming our artists. So we just yeah. want you guys to be consumers. You know? They would tell us this. And we were like, no. We have a whole new, we have a whole audience out here, and we don't necessarily want to be saying New York, New York, and L.A., L.A. And we have our own style. We have our own language. These, A lot of these sayings that you hear now in music, in the culture of hip hop, started thirty years ago in in Chicago culture. Yeah. All these things are uh, that you hear so many things like "I'm my mama," um, "bus downs," uh, so many different slang are out here are thirty years old. They're just getting into mainstream culture, so we know we wanted to we wanted to aspect that you know, and then not only that there was, you know, so many different, you know, uh, uh, nationalities in music. So there was Latin hip-hop. There was, you know, not just, you know, regular hip-hop. It was gangster rap. It was, uh, you know, backpack rap. It was all different types of stuff. So when we get into Latin rap, with was, was with Los Marijuanos, you know, that really took us to a whole other level, too, because yeah. the Hispanic market, it was a huge market that was waiting for you know more music to come out and more artists you know to come with. And yeah,
1: you guys were Some people don't know. You
0: guys were some people
2: don't know. No, the only most marihuanos is the one that's behind Cash Money Brothers and Straight Up Gangsta Shit mixtapes. Wow. So all all those I years, they were the ones pushing the those. Those music Those mixtapes And creating them And mixing them Before Even starting a group You know uh, That group themselves
1: That's wild See I didn't I didn't even That's know crazy. that Because they became uh, um, You know what I'm saying a, su- a successful group But before that They was I mean they had those Tapes everywhere I mean the, I could go in the Convenience store And there's bootlegs Of those tapes You know uh. Um, yeah places like Berwin and Cicero and, you know, all, all surrounding areas in yeah. Chicago. They were everywhere. Um, Swaparama. I mean, shit. Yeah. But if you guys can yeah. find those tapes, man, anybody listening, those are some gems, man. Um, straight up gangster shit. I don't know how many volumes they did, but um, I think I had one through three, if I'm not mistaken. And they always had badass artwork, you know what I'm saying? They hand-drawn stuff and and you kept it, um, you know what I'm saying, like that with uh, the uh, Wicked Streets of Shy. You know, you yeah. follow in that tradition, you know, with that dope artwork, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Chicago, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, I think Sin has one more question, but I just want to touch on this a little bit. You know, my grandfather, uh, he used to tell me, um, he remembers when, when people were cutting turf in the 20s. You know, and uh, wild shit happened, you know, uh, in Chicago, obviously, as we know. Al Capone, the whole bootleg thing. Mm-hmm. But the 90s, man, they weren't no joke either. You know, how did you, you know what I'm saying, run a label and manage to survive that era? Because it was pretty,
2: real you know, wicked. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, in the beginning, you know, you want to think about, oh, well, we got to go to all these different neighborhoods that are, are, you know, we're not familiar with or there's opposition there or whatever it is. But really, yeah. you know, once we started getting into the business, is that we are on a whole other level on the business. Uh, so we network and we coordinate with everybody in all different, you know, sides of the field when you're in the music business. Well, in, in those days, you know, in those days, it doesn't matter where you're from. We were we were on a whole other level together, working towards building the music up and the art. We it wasn't fighting and killing and shooting each other and, you know battling of you know wax b- battles you know stuff like that, trying to shoot each other and kill each other. We were working together, all different different you know neighborhoods, all different you know mobs, all different you know members. And we were just, you know, on a whole other level just moving forward, you know. We were on a mission for music, you know. So, you know, we we navigated through all different, you know, neighborhoods and all different, you know, streets and and, uh, all that on a whole other mission, on a whole other level, you know. And um, I I hate to see some of the things that are happening these days, you know.
0: Oh,
1: man. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, these days, um, it, 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 there was, there wasn't no movements like that. Just like on the West Coast, you had We're all on the Same Gang and things of that nature. You're bringing people together, and uh, man, you, you did that your, your whole career, man. Everything you put out, you know, when it comes to those projects, you know, the Wicked Streets, uh, all that stuff, you you had people from, from everywhere on there. So salute to you for that. Uh, always positive. Um, Brother Sin, I know you got One more for him Don't you Oh yeah The,
0: the last one uh to the Maybe One of the first Chicago uh, Maybe uh, Maybe early Hayes First Say Chicago Say one more time
1: like, who, yeah. who was Who, who was like time. The first Chicago rapper That you remember Yeah
2: for Chicago rap, I remember. Um, I used to love Black A G. It was one of the first cassettes that I bought. Um, I used to hear on uh, Friday nights. I think it was on G C I. They would play some Chicago music once in a while, or they would play. Actually, they would play a hip hop mix, and once in a while they would sh- put some Chicago artists in there. And Black A G was one of my favorite in the beginning first artist that I started listening to it and attracting to um, in that time period. And then I would go to Georgia's Music Room on the west side, which was the number one uh, independent record store in the whole country, just the whole country, Georgia's Music Room. And I would go there and see what it had, and it would have different cassettes of different, you know, uh, underground artists. And that's where I would go and find things. And buy things from him, you know. And then eventually, when we came out and dropped our own uh, first project, George came and you know sat us in his office and tried to lead us in the right direction and make sure we had everything right. He would tell us, "Oh, you got to have a barcode. You got to have the selection number, a catalog number. Who's you your distributor? You got to go talk to this guy. Go talk to this guy so you can distribute your product. Um, make sure it has shrink wrap." Make sure you know this and that. You know all the different things that you either have. He was trying to lead us in the right direction, and that's how he 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 molded us to build, you know, to build, the, you know, our company on the right the right way, the right way it's supposed to be, not just you know as a out the trunk type of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, he gave you that game, man. That's like uh, George is like uh, uh, Saint Charles, he 40s uncle. You know, over there, um, yep. you know, say with SMG on the West Coast, did the same thing. He used to bring like eight tracks and and fucking forty five records in. That's how far he goes back. But those guys are so vital to the success of hip hop, man. And I don't even know if they realized it, you know, uh, because yep. without them, you know, there'd be a huge void. That's the type of game that cats go to those conferences and pay money for, you know, to hear someone speak. So man, shout out to George for that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, Pink House, and, another one. And
2: he Yeah, exactly. Pink House was, was was you know, the one pushing the in the music on the air and the airwaves, you know. And and uh, one thing about um E forty and his whole crew is that I have built my portion of my distribution off of their model. Right? Because I would go to distributors, and I would solicit my product to them, and then I would see a little thing that they got from, let's say, a Sick with it, right? And you'd say, Sick with it Records, it's available at Paul Star uh, Distribution, available at Southwest Wholesale, available at um, – <clears throat> I forgot the other one. Available at City Hall, available at the other one. So I went and I said, let me copy this whole model. And I would call I would call every one of those, and I said – that was where we, our market was. Like, our market wasn't Baker and Taylor, which was distributing to, you know, uh, Rolling Stone. You know, our market was the same market that Sick It had. You know what I'm saying? Independent rap, underground rap music. So I followed that model, E40's model for distribution, and I got all those distributors to pick me up from that particular thing. Wow. And, and some of those distributors I'm still with to this day.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, that's a hell of a uh, relationships you build uh, over the years in this game. You know that lasts for a long time. Uh, Maybe you were thinking about the other distribution. There was one in Louisiana, uh, Gonzalez. I don't know if you. I'm sure you remember him. Yeah,
2: exactly, Gonzalez. Um, Yeah, I used Gonzalez before. Selecto hits. hits. Um, The New York region one. I forgot what that one was. It was music. Music distributors, MDI, I think it was something like that.
1: And they had Navarre up in the Midwest, up in Minnesota, I think. Um, well, yeah, my my had a fr-
2: our, some of our part of the state assassins. Where um, we had it was uh, it was a chamber right toxic, and and he had a group called the Chamber. They were distributed. They had a label that was distributed by Navarre. right? But Navarre wasn't really pushing their stuff. Uh, So I said, I don't want one person, I do not want one distributor to have control of how much money I bring in. So that's why I said i got to have at least six distributors in different regions that, you know, will push and bring in, have different checks coming to me in my direction. And on top of that, I'm going to sell directly to the flea markets and these underground stores myself and create my own distribution plan. So that I can yeah. have money coming in over there, you know, on another angle, instead of just waiting around for distributors to come in and check every three months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to yeah. have you want to have your eggs in, in more baskets than one, and uh, you know, yeah. you definitely you definitely did your thing. Congrats on the 30 years. You know, that's that's huge. I just celebrated this year's my 25th year. You know, covering hip hop. So man. Um, it's a blessing to have that type of That's longevity up. doing anything. You know? Yeah. Um so man, definitely congratulations. It's a huge honor for me to uh, early on in my career to be able to review some of the the product that you put out. You know, you always put out top notch quality, you know, dope beats, super dope lyrics. I mean, you guys did your thing and you're still doing your thing to this day. Um Catch up with everybody catch up with us a little bit on what's going on with Wicked Entertainment in twenty
2: twenty three. Well yeah, the end of a thirty year, you know, anniversary, we're gonna start our um anniversary projects that we have coming down the line and uh, a couple of remix albums and some stuff that we also pulled out of the vault that we never released. I got a few albums from different artists that have never been released yet. And then, you know, recently we had also we released this movie called Trust None that featured a lot of the yeah. artists from Chicago, EC, psychodrama, and stuff. So, you know, we're working on putting together the part two of Trust None movie and get that oh, wow. uh, produced and filmed. Yeah. And that's something that's in our, uh, you know, in our wheelhouse, along with uh, a few other compilations and stuff. But um, I've recently digitized a whole bunch of tapes from back in the days. i still got 200 more tapes to do. But I do, like, 30 at a time. So I've got enough stuff to do, like, three different documentaries that I want to put together first. So we're putting that, you know, putting those pieces together, digitizing the old content. And all this stuff that people haven't seen yet are are coming together for a good story and a good uh, documentary. And then I'll start, you know, marketing it to different festivals in the beginning. And then direct-to-consumer direct You know, um, like we did with Trust None, we brought a direct-to-consumer as well as DVDs and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, those are some of the things that we're going towards on the digital end, um, but i still a believer in products. So I still have CDs, I have cassettes, I have vinyl, you know, I try to keep as much as I can in stock. Um, But we, we, we believe that, you know, those type of things are still, you know, valuable. So I still have that out there on our digital sites you know for sale, and we ship out stuff even through Amazon the the Amazon store as well, so basically, you know we just you know we try to keep the keep the fire alive and um you know encourage artists to keep you know keep moving and there's a few artists that 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 we like that are newer younger artists that we wanna try to support one way or the other, so you know we're working on some things and see what happens from there, you know.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. That's uh that's what I'm talking about. You know, the longevity right there is, is uh is amazing and we definitely look forward to seeing what you guys come out with in the future. Um, before we get out of here, uh, is there any uh you know, shout outs or anything you wanna give or you know, anything else, man, it's all yours.
2: Well yeah, of course, you know, um shout out to my partner Sinbad You know, one day maybe you could talk to him and, you know, get into little aspect of things. Um, no, we yeah. me and him went. We we've known each other since uh, grammar school too. Like you know we you know we a lot of the guys that we, we we're part of Wicked Entertainment are from grammar school. You know Frank, my boy Frank, my boy Mac. We all come from grammar school. It's crazy how we're still friends, and we have you know, built. You know we we work towards building something on the same, you know same mission. You know, and um,
1: yeah,
2: it all uh, we all have a it has a place in our heart. You know for. For all of us You know And Everybody has Crazy Stories And experiences From From this this You know This wicked life
1: Yeah Man You guys uh, You guys Been putting it down Definitely like to talk to uh, You know what I'm saying uh, What did you say His name once again Sinbad Sinbad Definitely Yeah Hell yeah man uh, Well this This is an interview i wanted to do For a long time man Thank you so much For taking time To do this and uh you know what I'm saying please man, let's uh, definitely do it again in the future. You know what I'm saying? And um no doubt. for everybody listening, please support, you know what I'm saying, Wicked Entertainment. You know, uh everything that they drop, man, get behind it, you know. Definitely. Um, hell of a show, Ooh. hell of a show. Thanks again, brother, I appreciate you.
2: No doubt, no doubt. Thanks for having me on. And Sin. nice talking to you too. Out there in France, <laughs> right?
1: Thanks. Hell yeah Thanks. You guys go to France, man That's the yep. French connection right there, man He just uh, a interviewed yeah. Havoc of Mob Deep for us You know, um, he's interviewed mm-hmm. Donald D The Rhyme Syndicate, you name it So uh, if you ever go overseas, man Definitely hook up with Sin You know He'll
2: No, we've been around. there before We've been to uh, I went to Nice And I went to uh, Cannes And I would go for a music oh. festival uh, Convention over there called Meet
0: Oh, wow you, you, you were in Canada and which state, state?
2: I went to Cannes and I went to, for a A couple of years Oh. And okay, uh, right. I made some business deals over there Some, you know, connections and stuff like that For a lot of different different licensing and stuff like that Distribution overseas sure.
0: Hell yeah sure.
1: Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man mm-hmm. um, Well, we'll definitely get up again uh, Thanks again, brother and uh sin thank you, and we're gonna sign off yes, in episode nine hundred forty four sleepy wicked of wicked entertainment murder master music show thank you,
2: yes, sir, yes, sir.